Think Red Ink Ministries presents The Words of Jesus series with Don C. Harris Hello friends and welcome once again to the Words of Jesus series. Don Harris, Think Red Ink Ministries, Town, New Mexico. Glad to have you on board with us as we go through some of the red ink. A lot of reading today, so we need to get started. We're actually in uh, chapter 57 of our little book, and this is the mission and uh, success of the 70 disciples of Christ. I know that uh, it comes as a surprise sometimes when we talk about the disciples. They say that, you know, that there were 12 disciples, and there were indeed 12 disciples. Actually, there were, there were more than that. Uh, there were 12 that um, event that actually endured with Jesus until the end. Um, well, actually, 11, we know that. Uh, Paul was the 12th disciple, uh, actually the 12th apostle. Uh, we call them the 12 disciples because they eventually were called of Jesus Christ to go into the world and preach the gospel. That's when they became apostles. Some people wonder about what's the difference. Well, the difference is, you know, there are many disciples of Christ. But um, the 12 apostles were the ones that were there with him when he died. And uh, they were faithful to the end. And they were called to go out into the world and carry this gospel. And empowered by Christ to do miracles. And to, uh, so that their, their words would not be um, uh, you know, just uh, set aside as, as if they were just uh, people who thought Jesus was a really nice guy. Uh, but no, these, these were apostles. These were ones that were called of Jesus Christ. Which, by the way, um, uh, from everything that I can read and everything I, I can understand about an apostle, an apostle is not something that you can decide to be. A disciple is something that you can decide to be. As a matter of fact, it's imperative that you decide to do that. But an apostle is something that the Lord decides. It's something that, that he decides in. And my experience has been, or at least my, my reading has, has given me what, what I've experienced in reading is that this is a, an actual uh, seeing of the Lord. Uh, that it's a, he calls apostles in person. And in deference to, and my apologies to, um, you know, the churches, uh, I think the Mormon church is one of the best examples of this. Uh, I understand that, you know, we've got some modern um, evangelists, if you want to call them that, you know, the prosperity uh, peddlers, and uh, they call themselves apostles. And there's a lot of people, there's, there's denominations that call themselves apostles. Uh, the Mormon church is famous for being run by... 12 apostles um, and uh, that their apostleships can be traced all the way back to Jesus um, uh, which does not bear very close investigation but um, there are people who fancy themselves as being an apostle but it's only because they call themselves that not because they've actually seen the Lord and when Paul says am I not an apostle have I not seen the Lord I mean, he makes it clear that, you know, apostles are, are called of the Lord Christ himself and uh, not just something that I've decided to be. Because 
Paul's apostleship was held in question in those days as to who is this guy? You know, he persecuted the church and now he's one of them? Who is this guy? And, uh, and so he was constantly having to prove his apostleship or at least um, uh, defend it in some way. All right. So Jesus has taken 70 disciples and sent them out. And, uh, and, and here we read, Jesus appointed 70 disciples in addition to the 12. He sent them before him two by two into every city and place through which he would pass. When they were gathered around him, he sent them forth with these instructions. The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his vineyard. Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Carry neither purse, nor script, nor shoes, and salute no man by the way. And into whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be unto this house. And if the Son of Peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. And if not, it shall turn to you again. And in the same house remain, eating and drinking such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his hire. Go not from house to house. Now, a couple of comments here. One of them is, we'll take the last first. There are, uh, there have been denominations, perhaps only one I can think of, perhaps others, um, that uh, was against house-to-house witnessing. They thought that, that was the wrong thing to do. Um, I know there's more than one uh, person that thinks that way because I feel that way as well. Um, I don't think we can aggravate people into becoming Christians. You can aggravate them into coming to church. You can aggravate them into coming to Sunday school, but aggravating them into becoming Christians, I don't know how well that works. Uh, nevertheless, when they would teach against house-to-house witnessing, they would quote this scripture, go not from house to house, as if this was a, um, a foreboding, a forbidding of that practice of going house to house. But, you know, a, a you know, not even a careful reading, but even just a cursory reading of this, you can see that this is not what he's talking about at all. He's talking about people who take advantage of their status, if you will, of being men of God sent by Christ to do these wonderful things or to evangelize or whatever. And therefore, all the goodies that, uh, that you know, can come to us are duly ours and we should just, like a smorgasbord, take over this whole city and, uh, and just go from house to house and take whatever they give us. And Jesus is saying, no, not only do I not want you to go out there and beg from these people and, and gather all these things to yourself, but whatever it is you do have, you just make sure that you don't leave here with two pair of shoes or two coats. Uh, I don't even want you to take money with you. I want you to be supplied. I want your needs supplied, mind you. I want you. I want your needs to be met. However, what I want you to do is is not depend on people to do that. There's a reason for that, friend, because the gospel, uh, unfortunately, uh, 
I should not say unfortunately, but it, it just so happens that the gospel it cannot be preached by angels who don't need to eat. Uh, it's not preached by angels who don't have families and kids in college and car payments to make and insurance payments to make and house payments and stuff like that or want boats or RVs or any of the rest of this stuff. It'd be nice if the angels preached the gospel. First of all, we'd get one that wasn't tainted by the stupidity of mankind. Uh, and, it would, and it would likely be true um, and uh, it would be you know, absolutely correct and in pleasing to God if angels preach the gospel, <laughs> but they don't. God chose to put the gospel into the mouth of men. We'll talk about this one day. It was one of the puzzling things that I could not understand. Why would you do this? Why would you take something as beautiful as the gospel of the Lord Jesus that changes men's lives, that ensures their eternity, the rejection of which causes their eternal damnation, and hand it to men to go from mouth to ear, mouth to ear, mouth to ear, and every time it passes through a man, it just picks up a little bit more dust, a little bit more trash, a little bit more selfishness, a little bit more sin. It gets worse and worse and worse. And then we have to have a revival. And we have to all go back to the beginning. And why did you do that? Why did you have angels preach the gospel? Turns out, at the end of time, in the book of Revelation, there is an angel that comes with the everlasting gospel. I wonder how ours is going to compare to his. Oh boy, these kind of things could be embarrassing. But he did choose to put the gospel into the mouths of men, and unfortunately men have flaws in their character that um, uh, allow them, and in some cases compel them, to find out what's in it for them. And if you do go into this with the attitude of, you know, my money, my shoes, my staff, you know, my script, whatever. And I have all these possessions. And these people are going to feed me. They're going to clothe me. They're going to put me in their house. And these people over here are going to do it too. And those people are going to... Because, you know, there are people out there that care about the things of God that want to do well and want to take care of God's man. Well, they're easy to take advantage of. You know, God told me that you've been, you've been setting aside money for a... For a second home when you retire. <gasps> he did. <laughs> he wants you to give that money to this ministry. <gasps> he does. <laughs> and, uh, or, uh, you know, have you ever thought about what you're going to do with all your money when you die? You know, what you need to do is will it to this ministry. <laughs> you see, these kind of things happen because they happen in the minds of men who are selfish, who have uh, their own wants and desires and lust in mind. And uh, Jesus is saying, in order to keep this at bay, here's some rules. One of them is, don't go out there with all your possessions making sure that what you own and what you have and, and what you have in your pocket, what you have in your hand, and all the things at your disposal are the things that are taken care of you. If you're with me, you will be taken care of. Your needs will be met. You will eat what the people who, what they said in front of you. Because what they said in front of you, you've been called to this. You are here because I say so. This is where I want you to be. Well, how do we find this place? You'll find it. And here's the way you're going to find it. You're going to come there in an announcement of peace. 
And you're going to find out real quickly whether or not this house is allowing the peace that you have within yourself to come into it. If it's not so, you're going to find that peace is thrown back at you. Remember when Jesus, uh, the, the woman who, who grabbed the, uh, the tzitzit on his garment and was healed? Jesus didn't even know who she was. Uh, so much for, you know, having faith in Jesus uh, and, you know, having to have some face-to-face encounter for, um, you know, being healed or whatever else you did wrong. You know, that's what they love to tell you uh, when it doesn't happen. But when it did happen in this situation, Jesus didn't even know who it was. Here's what he did know. He said, I felt virtue go out of me. Now, my experience as a Pentecostal preacher, I've laid hands on people, I've prayed for people to be healed, and I've, you know, I've, I've gone that whole gamut, and I understand you know, the, the idea of, of you know, the whole goosebump theology kind of a thing. I've been there, yeah, I've been there. Um, but you know, when I started being honest about my Christianity, and, uh, and I read these words of Christ where he says, I felt virtue go out of me, you know, friend, I can't look you in the eye and tell you that I know what that is. Not honestly. I could tell you that. I could sell it to you for $69.95 if I wasn't honest. But, um, but I don't know what that means. Jesus knew what it meant. But here's what I want you to see. When he, when the, he commissions the disciples to find a house in which they're to live during the time of their evangelism, He says that you're going to feel that peace go out of you. And if it's rejected, if this is not the house you should be in, you're going to feel that peace come back. This is what he said. Let let that peace return unto you and go find someplace else. So there are things in the Spirit of God that I think, as Paul says, that we can have our senses sensitized. We can, our, our senses, the, the sense of, our five physical senses have the ability to know the difference between good and evil. Now, you know, evil, another one of those backwords that people define incorrectly. But, you know, evil just means it's the wrong situation. It's a bad thing. Um, like the prophet uh, described uh, the fruit that had gone rotten I can't eat this fruit. It's too evil. Well, there's nothing spiritually wrong with those figs. What do you mean they're evil? Well, they're bad. They're no good. And, and so he, he's saying that, that there is a point where a person can have such a spiritual life, be so in tune with the Spirit of God and led of the Spirit of God that their five physical senses can tell the difference between good and evil. I think that's what he's talking about here. And so your peace offered to this house, I think if you think about this, you have been in this situation more so than you perhaps even want to admit. You ever been around somebody who just gives you the creeps? <laughs> they really, there's really no reason for it, but wow, something's just not right here. I, I believe that that is some, in some sense, in some way. This is what Jesus is saying about your peace being reflected and it's coming back to you. And it's like, this is not the person that you need to attach yourself to. But once you do find that, 
Those people are going to put food in front of you. Eat that. You don't ask for something else. You eat that. And the house that they have you sleep in. And, you know, you don't say, you know, can I have a softer bed? Can I have an extra pillow? Do you have a spare teddy bear? Uh, no, no. You take what, what they give you. These are rules that I'm instituting so that your gospel is not perverted. That's, the, that's what I'm trying to prevent from happening. If you're not careful, the things that I provide you can actually draw you off of what I've called you to do. How many times does this have to happen? In, in our experience in the modern church of today, in the modern preachers, in the, in the people who are paid to preach, and, uh, you know, the given salaries and retirements and all these, you know, all the perks of preaching. Perks? <laughs> really? Is there perks involved? Here's what I've noticed. You forsake all. You give away all. You take what's put in before you. And all of a sudden, hey, hey preacher, here's a secret for you. You want to you wanna add 60, 70 percent power to your preaching? Stop getting paid to do it. That'll, that'll do you a whole lot of good. More good than, than doubling your Bible reading time or doubling your prayer time. Just stop being paid to do it. Stop being concerned with people who are willing to pay you to do it. Jesus is saying, you're going to find people that are willing to pay you, but you're in one house. You're where I want you to be. You're going to take what's put before you. And if you do this, you don't have to worry about all these things tainting this glorious gospel that I'm putting into your mouth to save the world. It's one of the reasons why we don't have the pure gospel today. And so, he says um, that, uh, and in that same house remain, eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his hire. His hire? What's his hire? My goodness, you're telling me that I'm in the gospel I'm in the, the, the business, business, if you want to call it that. I'm in the occupation of preaching the gospel. And what does it pay? A place to sleep? Something to eat? Is that all? <laughs> I'm afraid so. <laughs> he, he says, uh, you know, my father knows you have need of all these things. What things? place to sleep, out of the rain, clothes to wear, something to eat. Well, that doesn't sound very prosperous. Hey, get your mind where it belongs, buddy boy. Are you called to preach the gospel or not? You can preach the gospel with your stomach growling. I have. <laughs> then he says, go not from house to house, and whatsoever uh, city you enter, uh, if, and, and they receive you, eat such things that are set before you, and heal the sick that are therein, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. But into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you not, go your ways out, of, out into the streets of, of, of the same, and say, Even the very dust of your city, which cleaveth to us, we do wipe off against you. Now, friend, I want you to know, I have personal experience of this happening. Okay, I was a young Christian. Okay, you know, there's a lot of things about this story that I'm ashamed of. I don't even want to talk about. But um, there was a, um, a me feeling that I was called to 
be in this city and to bring about a ministry in that city that would uh, that it would have done the children of that city, the teenagers of that city, the families of that city, a lot of good, and you know things could have been wonderful and things, but frankly, you know we weren't of a particular denomination. This was down in the south, <laughs> and, uh, and we weren't of a particular denomination, not even a denomination anybody had ever heard of. Well, we didn't have one, um, and so we were abjectly rejected, I mean, just out of hand because we didn't fit into that and we were denied certain things. Well, I mean, to the point that you couldn't get an ad in the paper, you couldn't get, uh, you know, a, a place to publicly speak, you couldn't get, I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. It was, I mean, it was like the Hatfields and McCoys. It was a mess. I mean, we almost starved to death in that town. And uh, it came time where, you know, we had to pack up what we had and that didn't take long <laughs> um, because most everything was sold in order to eat something. It's true. It's, it's actually a fact that, uh, you, know, uh, you know, what goes with the black-eyed peas? Doesn't matter what goes with black-eyed peas. That's all there is. And that was because some poor widow thought we were starving to death. Nevertheless, I have personal experience with this. And when I left that city... I'm passing by the sign that says the name of the city from coming the other way. And uh, on my way out, pull over on the shoulder of the road. I get out and I pull a tissue out of the box and I wipe my shoes. And I drop that tissue right there by the sign and says, I'm wiping off my feet. The very dust of this city that clings to me, I am, I am rejecting and got in the car and floored it. Well, <laughs> perhaps youth <laughs> should be tempered by some adult somewhere. I was a young man, and, uh, and I thought that was just a wonderful idea. Gave me a huge sense of self-righteousness. And uh, I don't know how much righteousness it provided me, but the self-righteousness was just more than I could ever ask for. And, um, and in that particular situation, uh, I was unknowingly, and I think the Lord's certainly um, understanding enough to know that it was an idiot speaking, and perhaps I, I don't have these kinds of powers over cities to condemn the entire city to, you know, to the fate of Sodom and Gomorrah. But listen to what he says. Um, he says that uh, when you wipe your shoes off on your way out, um, he, he continues with, Woe unto the Chorazin, woe unto the Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in Tyre and Sidon, Sidon, which had been done in you, they had long time repented, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it'll be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted to heaven, thou shalt be thrust down to hell. He that heareth you, he's telling his disciples, heareth me. And he that despiseth, despiseth you, despises me. And he that despises me, despises him that sent thee. Friend, that's an enterprise I would not wish upon anyone, to despise the one who sent Christ. Okay, look truth is there were no miracles done in that city there, there was you know just a, a big mouth 
kid that uh, you know that was trying to preach the gospel as, as he saw it, and uh, they weren't necessarily witnessed to in such a way that would condemn their souls. And uh, we do serve a merciful uh, and understanding God, and uh, I don't think that any city was actually condemned to the fate of Sodom and Gomorrah at that time. But I'm telling you that that there may very well be a time when it is time to walk away from something. Um, I see people that are trapped in churches, trapped in situations that they say they just can't get out of. I think the Lord called me there to help them. Well, I'd be sure of that if I stayed, if I were you. All right, uh, when the 70 were with Jesus again, they were much elated and said to him, Lord, even the devils are subject to us through thy name. Jesus answered them, saying, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall hurt you. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not, but that, your, but that the spirits are subject unto you. Rather rejoice, because your names are written in heaven. If we were to experience this, I think that we would become overly, in, overly joyed about the fact that we have these kinds of powers that were given to us by the Lord Jesus. And he's saying that, you look, I know, you, know, you, you lay your hands on a leper and they get clean. And that's, that's pretty big. I know. What, did you walk on water when you were over there? Oh, you did? Oh, my goodness. Did they see that? Yeah, they saw that. And, and you raised a person from the dead? Yeah, they saw that. And you cast out devils? They saw that? Yeah, they saw that. It was pretty cool, they're saying. Wow, I just never thought anything like this would happen. And Jesus is telling them, I think, not uncertainly, you want to know a miracle that's bigger than anything that you did while you were gone? I'll tell you a miracle. That you're sorry sinful and selfish hide is going to see the kingdom of God. Your name written in the book. That's a miracle. Friend, we need to know that's a miracle. You want to see a miracle from God? <laughs> you can have one if you want it. All you got to do is quit going your way and start going his way. That's all you got to do. Quit loving yourself and start loving him. And you're going to experience and be the beneficiary of one of the greatest miracles that ever was. You ever wonder why Jesus is talking about John the Baptist says there wasn't a greater prophet born of woman than John the Baptist? But I say unto you that he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. I don't think we understand just how big of a miracle it is that we have even the opportunity to get ourselves out of this mess and be saved and see the inside of the kingdom of God. Think ready, my friend. Bye-bye.
join us again for the next episode in the Words of Jesus series.